Today's reading comes from the 13th chapter of John, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, and also should love one, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First of all, I want to thank uh, you as a congregation for hosting the Tucson, Arizona Boys Choir this week, especially those of you who were host families who took in some boys to uh, spend the night on Wednesday night and Thursday night and bring them back to the church early the next morning with a bag lunch in hand. Thank you for uh, those of you who helped provide food for the covered dish supper and the concert on Thursday night. It was wonderful to hear the Tucson, Arizona Boys Choir sing in Rada Hall and to have a meal together. Thank you for your hospitality. Uh, we hosted two boys and my kids have been laughing at me um, for one of the conversations we had in our kitchen on Wednesday night when the boys showed up. They got off the flight from, from the West Coast, and, and just before they were going to bed, I asked our two boys, you know, what do you want for breakfast? We've got this kind of cereal, that kind of cereal. We have fruit. We have yogurt. What, what do you like to eat? And, and then I said, do either of you drink coffee? And, <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and Jean-Paul looked at me, and he said, I'm 11. <laughs> right, right, okay. <laughs> it was great to, to get to know these young men, and they, they, they just are doing some great work. They're singing at Carnegie Hall tomorrow evening. Um, one of the early, sign, the early church, one of the signs of faithfulness was hospitality. That was, the, that was the bar of whether a church was faithful or not, was whether they provided hospitality. And so we stand in the tradition of the early church in the hospitality that we offer. One of the other signs of faithfulness that the early church looked for in evaluating how they're doing was how they lived out this commandment that Jesus gave to them, that Tom read this morning, Jesus gave a commandment to the disciples, and, and the early church took this very seriously. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And by so doing, people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so the early church took that very seriously and asked each other often, are we loving one another? Are we forgiving one another? Even when we disagree with one another, are we loving one another? Brothers and sisters in Christ, this may be really important for the church of Jesus Christ to keep asking ourselves, are we loving one another? 
even when we disagree with one another, are we loving one another? Methodists, as we approach general conference where we will have some very high-profile disagreements that is basically all the press will pick up is whenever we disagree with one another, and it will probably be over sexuality issues. Are we loving one another? Especially those with whom we have vehement disagreements on how to be faithful. As we enter this political cycle, this is the grand experiment of the Christian church. Can we as Republicans and Democrats and followers of Jesus love one another? Can we love one another even when we fiercely disagree with each other's politics? Can we love one another? It's one of the hallmark signs of faithfulness. Henry Nouwen used to say there are three ways that we can be in the flow of God's love. To let God's love flow to us and through us. He says there are three C's. Communion, community, and compassion. We experience God's love when we are in communion with God. When we are in community with one another and when we are showing compassion to a broken and hurting world. When we're in the flow of God's love, we live that out in communion with God, community with one another, and showing compassion to a broken and hurting world. About 25 years ago, give or take a few years, I forget which year it was, I was on the staff at the Morristown United Methodist Church, and uh, I was serving with, with a mentor named Jim White. He was the senior pastor at the time, and I learned more from Jim than I learned in seminary about what it is to be in, in ministry. Jim was preaching about the Church of the Savior in one season of our life there together, and the Church of the Savior is a church in Washington, D.C., inner city D.C. Gordon Cosby was the pastor there at the time. And this church was a community of faithful believers who really took their faithfulness and their community seriously. They committed to pledging 10% of their income. They committed to praying for the church. They committed to showing up to worship every Sunday. And each member of the church was committed to at least one ministry in inner city D.C. It was a profound church. And so I took a few days off to go down and learn from them. I wanted to see this in action. And I was also in a season in my life where I was not sure where God was calling me. I was discerning where God was calling in my life. I wasn't quite sure. So I booked a room in their guest house. I think it was called St. Andrew's House. And when I got there, I said, when is Gordon Cosby preaching? I would really love to hear Gordon preach. Gordon was a, an old man at the time. I think he was in his 80s. And he'd been living as a pastor and leader there for decades. And the person said, oh, I'm sorry, Gordon Cosby's not preaching there uh, this particular Sunday. I thought, oh, I've come all this way. And then the person continued, and he said, but Henry Nouwen is preaching here this Sunday. <gasps> Okay, okay, I'm in the right place. So we went to worship and we said to one another, I made some new friends at the guest house, we said, now remember, we're going in there to worship God. We're not going in there to worship Henry. 
Henry was one of the great theologians of the 20th century, one of the great writers, one of the great followers of Jesus, a humble and faithful Christian. He was teaching at Yale, at Harvard, at Notre Dame. He'd left that ministry to live in a large community of mentally and physically challenged Christians who were at the core of that community. And he wrote some wonderful books that have given life and continue to give life. He preached that Sunday on Luke 6, where Jesus goes up into the hills in the morning, seeks communion with God, comes down the mountain, calls the twelve together, and then from there goes out into the ministry of teaching and healing. Henry said, isn't it just the opposite what we do very often? We get involved in ministry and we realize we need help. And so we call our friends together and say, can you help us with this ministry? And then from that community, we realize we're still restless. We're still unsatisfied. We need something more. And then we realize we need communion with God. God bless whoever's in need. He said, look at Jesus' model. He seeks communion with God first. And then he seeks community, and then from the community he goes out into ministry. So Henry challenged us. He said, seek communion with God first. Then be led into the community of faith where you're called, and then from there be led by the Spirit out into ministry. Afterwards, I, I, I had the joy and honor of spending time with Henry for just a bit, and I said, Henry, I'm I'm seeking God in the morning, and that's not my concern. I don't know which community God's calling me to. He put his hand on my shoulder, and he said in his wonderful, thick Dutch accent, he said, Jeff, pray really, really hard about it. And then he said, and don't be afraid to ask God to make it clear to you. The months following that conversation, I prayed. All I could pray was, God, make it clear. Make it clear. Make it clear. It's a gutsy prayer. Because God might just honor that prayer. And then we need to pray for courage. Some of you may be in a season of discernment, wondering what God has next for you. It is a good prayer, a gutsy prayer to say, God, make it clear. I'm willing, I'm open, make it clear. I sense that our congregation has been led to a space where we are also discerning what's next. Our church council has been meeting and leaders in our church have been meeting over these past few months to begin to listen and discern where is God leading us as a church. And maybe it's time for us as a church to pray, make it clear. Or maybe it's time for us to just pray together every day for our church. I know some of you have been praying for our church every day. Thank you. Keep praying however you pray. 
But over these past few months, as we have prayed together, the prayers that we put in our bulletin, you notice that the opening prayer has been constant. It has been the same prayer. Our hope is that that prayer might be more than words. That that prayer might become part of us so that even as we gather together, we might be able to let that prayer roll off our tongue. Pour out your Spirit on us gathered here. And by your Spirit, make us one with Christ. One with each other. And one in ministry to all the world. If we can pray that prayer almost as a prayer statement before we get to a vision statement, before we get to a mission statement, if we front load this discernment process with prayer, it puts us in God's way and may allow God to transform us and guide us and focus us and point us in the right direction. Barbara Babbitt printed up prayer cards for the church council, which they have already begun to pray every day. We have prayer cards for each of us today. However we exit this church, you'll be invited to take one of these little cards that have been printed up for us that we can either put on our dashboard or in our wallet or on a mirror at home or on our refrigerator or in our prayer corner or in our Bibles, wherever we do our praying, the church council would like to invite you to join them in praying this prayer together every day, wherever we are, every day until the 21st of May when we gather for our next visioning retreat. Some may say, well, how do we pray, pour out your spirit on us gathered here when we're in our own homes? You know that we are still bound by the Spirit as a congregation no matter where we are. And we continue to be on this little part of God's planet Earth. And so we are always bound, and this always makes sense. But if you want to personalize it and change it as you wish, let the Spirit lead you. But let us pray intentionally, not only for the Chatham United Methodist Church, but for the United Methodist Church as we gather for 10 days next month in Portland to discern together how God is leading us. I'm convinced that as we pray this prayer, God will do something for us as individuals, for us as disciples, for us as a congregation. Would you pray with me? I'll give you this prayer line by line. Pour out your spirit on us gathered here. And by your spirit, make us one with Christ. 
one with each other. And one in ministry to the whole world. Amen.